MSW Media. News was Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, April 6, 2020. Today, a coronavirus update. A majority of Americans now disapprove of Trump's coronavirus response. The strategic national stockpile description has changed after Kushner's briefing. Ivanka was a conduit for banks concerned over small business loans. Trump fires the intelligence community inspector general. Trump nominates a White House lawyer to oversee the $500 billion Treasury Fund. Mississippi now has the highest rate of hospitalization for coronavirus. At least 14 states are exempting religious gatherings from stay-at-home orders. And more news about Loeffler stock purchases. I'm your host, A.G., and today we'll hear from both Jordan Coburn and Mandy Reeder. All right, everybody. It's AG. I'm here by myself today, like uh, like most days, like every day, uh, at least for the last couple of weeks, uh, and perhaps uh, for certain the next 30 days, maybe beyond. First of all, I wanted to thank everybody, all of our patrons and, and some of the folks uh, from the general public who joined our Pajama Jammy Jam Q&A Cocktail Hour Bonanza. <laughs> and we're still trying to come up with a longer name for it. That was Friday at 4 p.m., uh, Pacific. We're going to do that every week. Uh, we'll be sending patrons out a link to join us. We had over 500 people at one point uh, all on this live Q&A. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I think it blows off a lot of steam. And I really just thanks to everyone uh, who was there. I, ha- I really, really enjoy those. And it's nice to be able to reach out and, and speak with everybody live. Uh, and, you know, you get to see our, our happy faces from home. So uh, join us next week. If uh, if you're not a premium subscriber, you can head to, let's see, patreon.com slash the daily beans and sign up there. It's uh, three bucks a month. You get these episodes ad free. You get them early and there's a whole bunch of other uh, benefits and bonus content and newsletters and research notes and all sorts of sh- uh, shit that you get as well. So it's it's worth it if you can. And if you can't totally understand, we're going through a really tough time right now. But thanks to everybody who's able to. We really appreciate it. It helps keep us afloat. Um, we do have a lot of news to get today, too. Uh, that was a weird statement. That was very Yoda-y of me. Uh, but we have a big show. We'll have Jordan up front in the A block, giving, a, uh, giving us an update on the coronavirus outbreak, what's going on with the Cuomo press briefings, and a couple of other important news stories that have come out. And uh, Mandy will join me remotely for the good news segment at the end of the show, which is always a very welcome respite to anybody who has... A pulse, I think. And uh, with that, let's get to the news. Let's jump in. Hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Hello and welcome to Jordan's Corn Beans. I am in my kitchen. Why do I always have to say the kitchen part every time? We all know where I'm at. I'm not going anywhere. I'm in my kitchen. Um, I hope everyone's having a good Sunday or Monday, depending on when you're listening. Uh, we have another Cuomo update. We're going to go over, I'm going to go over just me, me, myself, and I. I'm going over what happened on Friday. So I'm going to kick that off and just get right into it. So, uh, press conference, he starts off with the numbers as always. We know now that, uh, the tested positives come out to 102,863. That was as of, um, his Friday reporting. Hospitalized is 14,840. And patients discharged is sitting at 8,886. And the number of deaths uh, that day 
was the highest single number of increase in deaths that they saw since this all started. It went up to 2,935 from 2,373. So that's a huge huge number, and it's a big jump. And I think I'm not, uh, you know, a scientist, obviously, but I think that this is perhaps, you know, he was talking about the apex coming between one to three weeks. So I think it's logical to expect these sorts of high jumps to continue until that apex is met and cleared. Um, It's tragic and it's awful. And I just think that it's good for everybody to brace themselves to know that those numbers are going to be high. They're going to be high until they're not, basically. Um, If you don't want to listen to the numbers, I always do the numbers at the very beginning. And this is, again, just for New York State. So if you want, you can totally fast forward. um, Maybe like yeah, a couple minutes or so every every time I'll spend on those. Uh, but then I'll move on to the other stuff, and I always end on the positive note. So he goes into the need for companies in New York to make masks, gowns, face shields, and PPE. He expresses frustration that they they have to keep shopping China, as we talked about before, and as he talked about before, it's incredibly frustrating, this system right now. Number one, the supply chain is broken because so much of this stuff was created and, you know, it's made in China. And obviously, they're dealing with their own structural issues right now in terms of being able to keep that output up that the world needs at a level that they've never needed it before right now in such a concentration in the United States. So obviously, that's not a sustainable way to procure these things. So he put out that ask for companies in New York State to start making them. And he's putting it out again, just saying, you know, how is it possible that we can't, he he actually holds up a mask in the press conference, he holds up a mask, he holds up a gown, he's like, how can we not make this? Basically, you know, I, it's not, it's not that difficult. The material shouldn't be that hard to acquire, it shouldn't be that hard to assemble. If it's a money issue, talk to us, please. We just need people that have the ability to make them, we'll work with you, but this is really what we need because it's unacceptable that they don't have the PPE, the mask gowns, and those face shields that they need on top of all the other things that they need. But Cuomo really talks about, you know, the need to have this sort of, you need people that are working, you need staff, you need PPE, you need ventilators. If you don't have all of those things coming together at once, if one of those things is missing, the care is ineffective and death count goes up. So he just really, he puts out that call again. If anyone's in New York State and happens to know, I don't know, I'm sure... I don't know if it's an issue of, like, marketing or something. Maybe, you know, not everyone's watching these press conferences and they're not in circles where they have people that are like, did you, you know, did you hear Cuomo's putting out this call? I don't, I don't know if that's the problem. Um, I feel like the federal government, or not the federal government, sorry, state governments, when they want to do a campaign, you know, they're usually pretty good about getting that stuff out there. So I imagine that's just going to keep ramping up, but I don't know, spread the awareness if you can, I guess. If anybody knows anybody that manufactures things, if if they, on some off chance, haven't already heard that this is what he's asking for, but all hands on deck. Everyone trying to get people that can possibly make this stuff to make it. Cuomo then goes on to thank Trump for helping convert Javits Center into a COVID-19-only space. Cuomo said he was getting some pushback on that, so he thanked the president for doing what he could to get that done. Uh, He then talks about 
him signing an executive order to take ventilators and PPE from places that are not using them and have them be redispersed to the people that need them right now. He's going to use the National Guard. They're going to be deployed to come and take them from the people that have them. And he promises that he, if he, if he for some reason cannot give the physical ventilator itself or equipment back to the people, uh, he promises that he will pay them back. And he says, I am not going to let people die because we don't have enough ventilators when they exist elsewhere. So that's an executive order that's going to go into effect. Uh, he then talked about their state budget that passed Thursday night. He said it passed at 3 a.m. Uh, There's a whole list of things that were in there. A lot of really good sounding stuff. I, I want to look into it. I never look into other states' budgets, but I don't know. There's a lot of really cool stuff in in here, and I feel like I should do that more often, but just to list some of the stuff in there. Uh, he said they passed a nation's first domestic terrorism law. He said they passed improved bail reform. Uh, they addressed child vaping. They addressed, uh, they have a subway sex offender ban. They have paid sick leave in there. Uh, there's a middle class tax cut. There's campaign finance reform and more. Uh, he goes, he says that it was really hard to pass because the state's broke right now. Um, he did also say that Pelosi gave him his word that she'll work to secure federal assistance for New York State as much as she can, and he expressed his gratitude and confidence in her as a leader and her ability to do that. So, um, good to see people working together that are, you know, competent leaders. But congratulations to them for passing their budget 3 a.m. That must have been very stressful and tiring, as it always is, I'm sure, but especially right now with everything going on. So, um, big, big ups for getting that passed. Uh, and then for the ending good vibes Cuomo section, um, he starts off his ending kind of spiel talking about this, this idea that how the nation needs to approach this is everybody needs to go all hands on deck into the place that is most hard hit at that moment. And, you know, divert as many resources as they can to that area and try to nip it in the bud as much as you can where it's at and where it's peaking. And then, you know, when that place is done peaking, inevitably another place will start peaking. And then you can shift the resources over to that place. And although that's going to require an incredible amount of coordination, he says that is the only way. That's the only logical way to do this. You can't have, you know, a state that isn't going to get hit conceivably for another, like, month trying to get all of you know get all of this gear for them when there are people dying in New York right now because nobody can procure what they need right over there right now and you know they're putting calls out for example for people to make it so it, he's saying everybody just please get on the same page with helping the people that are having peaks and then I promise I promise I promise when you have a peak we will turn right back around and we will help you just like you guys are helping us. But he's like, that's the only way this is going to make sense. Sometimes there's going to have multiple peaks happening happening at the same time and, you know, just deal with that as best as you can. But I, I, like, I like the sentiment that he, you know, expressed throughout making that point and the sentiment that he continues to express through the end of the press conference. So I'm going to let you hear that. Help the place that has the crisis. This is that on a macro scale. New York is in crisis. Help New York. And then pick up, decamp, 
and then go to the next place as this rolls across the country. There's not a perfect timing. There will be two parts of the country that hit an apex at the same time. There will be three parts of the country that hit an apex at the same time. But I do not see any operation or operational practical alternative to dealing with this going forward. And by the way, this is all operational. There is no concept, there's no abstraction, there's no philosophy to this. This is a person walks in the door, do you have a bed, do you have a staff person, are they wearing PPE, and do you have a ventilator? And are they all present at that moment when that person walks in that door? That's all this is. That's all this is. Forget testing, vaccines, that's a separate project. That's not where people are going to die in the near term. People are going to die in the near term because they walk into a hospital and there's no bed with a ventilator because there's either no bed or no staff or no PPE or no ventilator. That is what is going to happen. And I think this is the only way to avoid it. And look, I believe the American people are there. You know, how many times have we seen a disaster across this country and how many new Americans just show up to help? I mean, it's in the American DNA to say we're here to help one another. It is e pluribus unum. I didn't have to put that on the seal. That's just a reminder out of many one. We're community. We're Americans. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters. There's a commonality. Well, I'm a New Yorker, you're from California. I know, those are lines on a piece of paper. We are the same. We're the same. And we know that here in New York. I asked for people to come help New York. Health officials, health professionals, 20,000 people volunteered in a matter of days to come help New York in the middle of a pandemic, 20,000 people. Think about that. 20,000 health professionals said, I'll leave my home and come to your state. Systematize that volunteerism. Systematize that generosity, that charity, and that expertise. And that's how we beat this damn virus as it marches across the country. We just deploy in front of the virus as it, as it works its way across the country. In any event, when our curve is over, that's what we're going to do. New Yorkers are going to take what we've amassed, we're going to take our equipment, we're going to take our personnel, we're going to take our knowledge, and we will go to any community that needs help. We're learning things that, fortunately, no other community had to learn uh, because we're first and because of the intensity of the situation here. When our urgent need is over, we will help any community in this nation that needs it because that outpouring has been there for us. You know, I remember uh, post 9-11. And I remember post 
without asking anyone for anything, the people who showed up in New York just to help. Tradesmen bringing tools, people bringing food, people bringing trays of cookies, whatever. They just showed up. Nobody asked. They just showed up and said, I'm here to help, or stood on a corner helping people. That's America at its best. And at this time, when we're dealing with our worst, let's deploy America at its best. And we know what that is. And that can help us. All right. So that's all I got for the Cuomo update today. Everybody uh, stay strong. Stay vigilant with your mental health, especially right now and physical health. Uh, but I'm starting to see a lot of, you know, really sad stories uh, coming out about people that are succumbing. Um, that, that's not the right word. They're they're struggling, and some people have already, you know, lost that battle with with the struggle of isolation and, and anxiety and depression and. And it's really sad and it's going to keep happening. So I encourage everybody today, if you can, if you have it in you, I know it's hard right now, especially to muster, you know, some emotional energy that maybe you don't really have to spare. But if you possibly can, just reaching out. Everybody knows those friends. They they, they know their friends who struggle um, with anxiety and they know the friends who struggle with isolation. Reach out to those people. Reach out to your family for your own morale if that's a safe space for you or your best friends your chosen family uh, but really try to be there for each other because as this goes on I think this is unprecedented right so psychologically this is a v- incredibly traumatic event that is sustained this is like sustained trauma for months at a time for the entire country and the entire world so do what you can to stay cool you know yourself and to, to help everybody that you can also I love you all uh, have a Good Monday, Sunday, fun day. Try to find some joy and we'll see you tomorrow. All right, Jordan. Thank you very much for that update. I appreciate you sending those in. uh, And thank you so much for for all the work that you're doing. And I miss you. Uh, Right after this, we will be talking to Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast. We're going to go through a headline uh, lightning round. I almost said thunder. That's weird. My brain is... (laughs) This is my brain on on lockdown. Uh, We'll be right back after this message. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Third Love, the makers of my favorite bras in the whole world. Third Love makes my favorite bras. I'm totally obsessed because they design bras to fit me and fit you, not the other way around. A lot of women actually fall in between cup sizes. Uh, I do, and so I always end up with cup gap, which makes straps slip, or I have spillage, and so my straps dig, and they have tags. It's terribly difficult to find the perfect fit when you're between cup sizes, but not anymore thanks to Third Love. They're an industry leader with over 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes so you can find just the right fit for you. Um, Check out their Fit Finder quiz online. In just a couple minutes, you can find out how and why the perfect bra will fit you. Third Love considers not just your cup size, but your breast shape when finding the perfect bra. And they take into account the measurements of over 14 million women who've already taken the quiz. So they will find the perfect fit. Every Third Love bra is made with lightweight, super thin memory foam cups that they mold to your shape. So again, no digging straps, no itchy tag. It's all made for the optimal comfort 
in mind. And with Third Love's Perfect Fit promise, you have 60 days to wash it, wear it, try it out. If you don't absolutely love it, if it is not 100% the perfect fit, returns and exchanges are free and easy. Their customer service is second to none. And Third Love donates all their gently used bras to people in need. And so far, they've donated over $15 million in bras, supporting charities across the United States. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dailybeans for 15% off today. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today to go over the headlines is real-life lawyer and co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew, how are you today? I am fantastic, AJ. How are you? Ah, you know, infinite screams. There you go. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to do the news today in sort of a headline, lightning round, top line thoughts. So I'm going to read you these headlines and these stories, just the the leads, and we'll discuss each one for a couple minutes, if that sounds okay with you. Everybody knows I am amazing at lightning rounds, so. (laughs) That's why I thought of you first. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. And at the sound of the bell, we'll begin. No, I'm kidding. I don't have a bell. Um, First headline, Trump's approval ratings for his handling of coronavirus are down as a majority of Americans now, 52 to 47, disapprove of the job he's doing. Yeah, well, that's it's about goddamn time. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, I. One of the things you've probably noticed is that the overall five thirty eight, uh, all of your polling aggregators have shown sort of a bump up for Trump over the past two weeks in the midst of this crisis, which seems weird given that I don't know anybody, even folks on the other side of the aisle, right? Like, I mean, one of my talking points with, you know, the proverbial Aunt Kathy is, let's be honest, if you could pick one person in the country right now to be in charge of overseeing the results of, you know, how to manage a pandemic, would you really pick the game show host? And like, right, like everybody is kind of like, right, I, I agree, you know, whatever. And and I've always thought that the that the reason for that bump in sort of the generic top line approval question is that that sort of like the average person has a built-in aversion to like seeming political in the midst of a crisis, right? You know what I mean? So it's like even if you generally disapprove of of how Trump is handling this, which of course you do. Uh, you you kind of want to say like, look, man, just, just give it or I don't want to talk politics right now. I just want to make sure that like, you know, my 94 year old grandma doesn't die right now, you know? And, yeah. and that's, that's been how I've interpreted that. I, I, I strongly don't believe that, you know, that this has been a net positive for Trump and, uh, you know, watching him try and spin his approval ratings is just, uh, it's it's gross on top of everything else, and it would look it would be gross if it were a Democrat in office, right? Like, right. You, you don't don't talk about it. So, what do you think? It never is a Democrat in office, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's wait, the cru- wait, wait, wait. You mean there's a correlation between electing the party that thinks government doesn't work and government not working? No, shocker. No, anyway. no. <laughs> sorry, didn't mean to uh, cut you off there. <laughs> no, it's it's totally fine. Uh, yeah, I think it's the crisis bump, right? We've seen it with all past uh, Republican presidents um, in crises for, you know, for example, uh, 9-11, when Bush was whisp- they whispered in Bush's ear, he 
the look on his face was just said it all. Um, and uh, the way Giuliani handled 9-11, everyone thought, oh, he's America's mayor, yay. But it, he actually botched up and fucked up a bunch of stuff. He put the, the communications, emergency communications center in the fucking World Trade Center after it had already been bombed. Uh, it, it was just a whole, like, it, but everybody gets a crisis bump, right? No matter what, no matter how shitty you are. And now there was a bit of one, but this a new ABC Ipsos poll shows him uh, now 52% of Americans disapprove of the job, whereas just 10 days ago, 15 days ago, he had a 55% approval. And it was uh, close to 60 before that, uh, two weeks earlier. So it is dropping and post haste so yeah and 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 the cross tabs are are really significant right like 61 percent say trump is unprepared 52 percent say that he is chaotic and erratic i mean look like those are real bad numbers right like when over half the company is a company when over half the country is like well you know like okay you're you're chaotic evil and we have we have no idea what the hell you're gonna do but i like i it, I find it very, very difficult to to see those people coming back to be like, but on the other hand, mm. I do like that he trolls the libs. So, you know. What? Yeah, he, he is definitely chaotic evil. But even the Joker, Heath Ledger's the Joker, used hand sanitizer. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. we, we have to give it to him. Uh, all right. Next headline. As Mississippi sees the highest rate of hospitalization in the United States, who could have seen that coming? Mississippi, you know, we're not China. Mm. Well, now 14 states are exempting religious services from the stay-at-home orders because it's Palm Sunday. Uh, there are people being interviewed uh, uh, on videos going around the Internet, like one woman saying, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I will be protected. What um, uh, religious beliefs aside, I was raised Catholic. Uh, we never went to Mass anyway. Um, but what 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 are your top-line thoughts about the, the these governors in, in 14 states that we know of allowing for giant religious services there's one guy who's sending buses out to bring everybody in from around the county into an eight hour uh palm sunday service that 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 guy is uh tony spell uh who runs the louisiana life tabernacle church wasn't he arrested yeah we talked about the last time you and i hit this segment right and and so right so the first top line is remember that regardless of your personal religious beliefs, right? And I'm an atheist, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, my parents are Christians. I'm not, you know, I, it, fine, right? The f- religious right as institutionalized, particularly in these megachurches, is a political organization, not a religious one. The only proof you ever needed of that was in, in 2012 when, you know, Billy Graham's uh, organization went by and deleted all the pages on how Mormonism was a cult once Mitt Romney was the Republican nominee, right? So we we, we know that that their, their principles are political, not religious. And uh, as you and I talked about the last time we did that segment um they are accustomed to this it's us against the world we're the 
poor, unfortunate, persecuted supermajority in this country, uh, and they delight in uh, encouraging what the most charitably you could call it would be acts of civil disobedience. It's not actually civil disobedience because they never pay the the, the penalty. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about like the tax protest days, and and that's what they are doing. They are openly flaunting regulations. Tony Spelt is uh, uh, bussing in twenty seven busloads of people into his megachurch and 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 you know that the point of this is to defy the law because church is like the one thing that, that that's super easy to observe via social distancing right like it's dude talking right and it's always a dude right um but uh it, it, you can like that's the that's the kind of thing that works super well over podcasts mm. over Zoom, right? Like you could be socially distancing, you could be responsible. The 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 flaunting the law, the flaunting the local regulations is the point. Yeah, and I I also think it's the money. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> if if these guys are going to deem church uh, as essential business, then they should pay taxes. Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, next headline. The Duke and Duchess of Shittown are back in the news. Uh, Jared and Ivanka, they're up to their old tricks. First of all, Jared tells us in a press briefing, uh, I think on Friday, that the federal stockpile isn't for the United States. Uh, it's for the federal government. And and Trump, re- they really tried to, reporters really tried to clarify that with Trump the next day. He wouldn't come up with a straight answer. I can't figure it out either, unless he's talking about maybe this national federal stockpile is should be reserved for people who work in the federal government or who work in the White House or the maybe the troops, the Pentagon. I don't know. He wouldn't clarify. He just kept saying, it's a nasty question. You're nasty. Um, and of course, according to a brief online summary, the Department of Health and Human Services website, the stockpile's role was to supplement state and local supplies during a public health emergency. But just hours earlier, the text characterized the stockpile. They changed it to go with Jared's messaging to nation's largest supply of life-saving pharmaceuticals and medical supplies for use in a public health emergency severe enough to cause local supplies to run out. So basically, states and local governments, you do your thing. We'll be here maybe for you. But this stockpile is, is not for states. It's for the federal government. Uh, what do you think about that? I, okay, so... Uh... A couple of things. No, number one, uh, as as you well know, we have the hashtag clear as Kushner on my show uh, because what Donald Trump did in, in week one that set the tone for his entire administration was gather together and say, hey, uh, I want to make my no-talent ass clown son-in-law uh, a part of the White House staff. And all of his advisors said, yeah, Mr. President, the, the problem with that is that our party, the Republicans, passed a law because we didn't like the fact that Robert F. Kennedy was was uh, 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 attorney general under JFK, and we want to make sure that that never happens again. And so in the 1970s, we passed the Anti-Nepotism Act. That, that was us, and it's super clear, and it prohibits you from putting your son-in-law on, on the White House staff. And Trump was like, right, 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 but suppose I do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody around him was like, oh, we, we never really thought of what happens if you elect a president that 
uh, doesn't care about the law. Uh, mm. I suppose they could impeach you. And Trump was like, yeah, they're not going to impeach me. Uh, and it set the tone. Um, mm. So they, they created a, a completely bullshit uh, uh, in, in uh, uh, Office of Legal Counsel OLC memorandum that said, well, it's it's clearly fine so long as he doesn't draw salary, which you know is uh, it's not clearly fine. Like it's this is it's it's preposterously a uh, a violation of the law that we've just all been normalized to. And since we've been gaslit as a nation, I just I, I think it's important that every time we talk about Jared Kushner, I, I should point out he should not be within a hundred miles of the White House right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear when he says that's for us, he means. Donald Trump and his family and his immediate circle of cronies, right? Mm. Like he does not mean the federal government. He means no us. Like you know, we're we're the government. Our you know our our circle of chums to make sure that that we're safe, right? Or for us to use to bribe other countries or yeah. whatever you know to 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 do favors for dictators or or whatever. And obviously, I mean, um, you know. I, I, and and you're right with the hundred miles of the White House thing. I mean, he was he was told by the FBI he he can't get a security clearance. He is compromised. Not you know even if we give him the best case scenario, but uh, you know benefit of the doubt, which is he's not corrupt, but he has a lot of foreign business relationships. Uh, that alone, if you even if you don't bring in the corruption, is should be enough. And then of course. We have Ivanka now, the other, the Duchess of Shittown. She was the conduit between the White House and the big banks regarding the Small Business Association loan program as part of the rescue package, the $2.2 trillion rescue package. And she lobbied for, on behalf of the banks, to the White House for higher interest rates on loans that end up not being forgiven. And I guarantee you it's going to be really hard to get those loans forgiven. Don't, Don't think for one second it'll be an easy thing to do. Uh, so she got higher interest rates on that, and she uh, got the requirement in there that the that businesses have to go through the local banks that they deal with, not, you know, you can't just go to a Bank of America, for example, because it was Bank of America that was like, please don't tell them they can just come to Bank of America. And Ivanka said, okay, deal. And they made it so you have to deal with the bank that you're used to banking with to, to prevent, uh, a, a you know, Bank of America from not making a shitload of money off of this crisis. So <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, I think you've summarized that nicely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're I just like, you're like, yep. I, it, I, right. I mean, it, it is just, this is the, look, the one positive thing. And I, I, I said this on the show is that at least section 4019 directly prohibits the White House, the immediate family, it's got the language son-in-law in there uh, from directly dipping their hands into the $500 billion slush fund. They'll do it um, anyway. I, of course. Well, the, the the way that they'll get around it at first is, as you pointed out, by uh, doling it out as favors, right? And, you know, you get some kind of quid pro quo in that, even if it's not 100 cents on the dollar. Of course, uh, they, they will find a way in there. And And remember, you know, as, again plug on my show, but you and I have talked about this. Um, Steve Mnuchin was the person who bankrupted Kmart to acquire shares, to leverage it, to acquire Sears, to bankrupt Sears in order to line his own pockets. So if you think somebody who would destroy two American institutions to make $10 billion isn't going to try and get his hands on $500 billion, like, you know, I've got the proverbial bridge to sell you. 
Yeah, what's his name from Wall Street? <laughs> Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko. <laughs> um, yeah, and the other thing too, I always have to ask myself is: is there was a VA Inspector General report where the VA, the, the Trump administration was pushing uh, hydrochloroquine uh, and Ugh. and ZPAC to to the VA patients, <sighs> and the VA was like. Hole, slow your roll. This shit doesn't work. It's an anti-malarial. It's dangerous for you to try to make us do that. Who owns stock in the drug pharmaceutical company that that makes hydrochloroquine? And why is Trump pushing it so hard? Somebody's looking into that. I feel like it's probably Jason Leopold. Um, all right. So I'm just guessing, but he's so good at that. Um, and beans uh, on that. Beans on beans on a Leopold FOIA hydrochloroquine situation. Um, and finally, um, a couple of moves here, uh, on February 8th, first, okay, first of all, the intelligence community inspector general Atkinson, he's the guy who handed over the whistleblower shit to, uh, Trump will say Schiff, but actually Congress, which he's supposed to do by law. And he was still late doing it because they were, they, they tried to put the kibosh on it. Hi doggy. And so uh, that's who Atkinson is. It's uh, the Ukraine scandal whistleblower guy. And so after all of that uh, went down, I tweeted on February 8th, Atkinson is next, meaning he's going to get the axe. And lo and behold, uh, Friday night in the dead of night, middle of the night, Trump fired the inspector, the uh, intelligence community inspector general Atkinson. Uh, and not to, not, not to be outdone by one of his own shitty tricks, Trump then uh, said he was going to hire a White House lawyer to put him in charge as the inspector general over the $500 billion Treasury Steve Slush Fund. So what are your thoughts on those two things? So, look, this is and again, you know, don't don't let up on your your Aunt Kathy, your Uncle Frank. Right. This is the consequence when the United States Senate says we're not going to impeach a president who impermissibly mixes his political motives with acting as head of state, right? And and if you didn't think that that was going to give Trump the green light to engage in purges of of everyone he doesn't like from the federal government, then I, I, I don't know what to tell you, right? I mean, immediately we've turned around and everybody who had the slightest connection to anything critical of Trump has has been gone. And and I I, I just like I, I just can't imagine that these folks are going to want that to be the standard that President Biden can use in 2021. Right. Yeah. Like it it it, it 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 used to be that we could at least kind of come together and go Gosh, it sure looks bad. I mean, like, like, look, the, the, <laughs> there are my, right, my co-host is 30, right? So he's only sort of dimly aware of the Clinton administration. And yet he is aware of the Clinton pardon controversy, right? Because what Bill Clinton did, uh, for those of our listeners who are under the age of 30, right? Like on the very last day of his presidency, Bill Clinton pardoned a whole bunch of people. Some of it was reasonable, but some of it was was totally scumbaggy, right? Like some of it were, were people who were close friends and political donors, and it was obvious uh, political payback. And that became a scandal that still supposedly used to be reverberates to this day. And now it's like Trump can just kind of toss around, you know, well, like, oh, obviously I'm going to pardon Roger Stone. Uh, I, like it, it's just, it is maddening. It is mind boggling. The country isn't supposed to work this way. And I, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I have the optimist prime label, but like <laughs> it, it, 
I, 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 I still hold out hope that like, once this long national nightmare is over that everybody will be like, man, this is kind of like we get, we get one, you know, our bad of like, you know, the, the equivalent of like doing 11 shots of tequila before you head out for the evening and just be like, "Ah, I don't have a strong recollection of those four years. I'm sorry, but let's just pretend like that never happened. (laughs) That's the best case scenario, right? Oh, and by the way, we're still going to have a totally poisoned uh, judiciary staffed with 37 year old right wing ideologues. Uh, you didn't you didn't pick up on by far the worst story for this week, which is Justin Walker being nominated to uh, the the uh, United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. But mm. um, uh, don't yeah. know that my blood pressure can take going yeah. down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I know. And then, of course, he's he's installing this uh, White House lawyer to be put in charge of the, the Steve, yeah. you know, fund, which is that's how they're going to get around the son-in-law clause, which is what I've just decided to call it. Yeah, he'll just issue, he'll just issue an opinion and be like, oh no, it, it like so long as you know he owns forty nine percent of this entity, you know, with various uh, contingency clauses. I, like it, it is. It, let me say this, and, and again, I mean this in, in all sincerity. Like my day job, I represent small businesses, right? I, I and and. For 20 years, I represented some of the largest corporate institutions in America. I represented Lloyd's of London, which isn't a single corporation. It doesn't matter. I've I've litigated on behalf of Microsoft, ExxonMobil, right? Like I have worked for the largest companies in America, and it's super easy to get around ownership regulations and put them in the hands of, of a single person. Well, yeah. I mean, look at what, what Putin did with uh, Deripaska's stake in, in, in his oil company to, to get sanctions lifted, and they just transferred ownership to the Kremlin. <laughs> like, well, okay, cool. Yeah, that's... <laughs> but it used to be we would point at that and say, okay, at, at least all sides of the aisle, we can agree it's not supposed to work that way. No, and now, right. you know, you have 37% of the population that, you know, once once Trump says it should, they're like, yeah, drain the swamp, but whatever. Yeah. And uh, we're just about out of time, but really quickly, uh, Kelly Loeffler, who's in trouble alongside Richard Burr for a major sell-off of their stock. I think her husband is sits on the, is president of the fucking owns the stock exchange, something crazy. Um, and she's a what Republican senator from Georgia, and she uh, the Vanity Fair, the Vanity Fair. Listen, listen to me, <laughs> the Vanity Fair, that little publication. Um, it, but they uh, uncovered a story that not only did she dump a bunch of stock in hotels and airlines and shit, but she also purchased a bunch of stock. And we already knew about the stock purchases in telework software, but apparently now she also bought a bunch of stock in medical gear PPE. So there's that. Yeah. Um, so, so let me say it this way, because I, again, I mean, we kind of get the <laughs> the bad news out of the way first, right? Which is insider trading cases are super duper difficult to prove, mm-hmm. right? And so I I don't know that Burr or Loeffler will face criminal charges at the end of this. I know that there's a pending lawsuit uh, against Burr. I, I have a plan to break it down on my show, but it keeps getting pushed back because more and more horrible things keep happening that that sort of <laughs> percolate to the top. Um, but but uh, but those are so we should not be we should not be surprised if 
those two never faced jail time as a result of this. Okay. But the check is supposed to be, and as recently as five years ago was electoral poison, right? It's just the, the, we used to have this sense that serving in office was a public trust, regardless of what side of the aisle you were on. Right. That, and, and it was, and, and I don't know, like I keep throwing it out there, but like, I, I, I don't know why it is that it's only Democrats who still feel that way. Right. But we still definitely feel that way. Right. Like Democrats aren't rallying behind Rod Blagojevich. Right. Like I want that guy locked up. Right. Like it, it, it's, yeah, we didn't it, come to the rescue of Gregory Craig when he was being yeah. tried for that. Um, uh, it, it, the long gone are the days of, you know, Howard Dean going, ending your political career or <laughs> quail misspelling potato or wearing oh, a tan man. suit. God, do we all owe Dan Quayle an apology? Like <laughs> I, we, yeah. <laughs> Long are the long gone are those days. It is now, yeah. Uh, but I don't think Burr is running again. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I'm sure Loeffler Loeffler was appointed, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Yeah. So, so yeah. So she she will be running again, and and again, like th- this is. <sighs> The way it's supposed to work is you're you're supposed to you're supposed to look at the at the <laughs> at the options and go, well, you know what? Um, if if I can't put somebody forward, let, let let me give you and my God, like it it hurts to say this, right? But like I I don't agree as as I suspect neither do you with Mike Pence on anything, right? But nevertheless. It is clear to me that Mike Pence is a public servant, right? Mike Pence has principles and reasons for why he has held public office for the past 200 years, right? And 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 look, those principles are horrible, right? They are a, a mixture of R.J. Rushdoony-style Christian dominionism and old-school conservatism in the worst possible sense of the word. Like, they're awful, but, you know, as, right? At, like, at least it's an ethos. Yeah, right? like, yeah. And, and it, it I, I, I just, I don't understand why there isn't more outrage over, oh no, like, uh, over grift. Right. And, and, you know, and it sort of started, I, I think the the normalization started with, with Sarah Palin in, in 2008, who, who like very obviously was just a grifter and a con woman, right? Like it, it, it is, uh, it, it, and the idea became like, dope, uh, sorry, we got to line up shirts and skins. Uh, and if it's on our team, it's okay. And I, I, yeah. I, it just like, I, yeah, the the fact that this pandemic has become uh, politicized, meaning you know, red go out, blue stay home. Like, <laughs> I, it just blows my mind. I, it it does, and again, it's why. And and I I don't see so you know it it at, you know tweet at me or like if if you see because. One of the things that, you know, I did it the last time I guessed it on your show, we do it on my show all the time, like, is uh, shout outs to Larry Hogan of Maryland and Mike DeWine of Ohio, who are Republican governors who have behaved sanely and sensibly in protecting their people through this crisis. And you contrast that with DeSantis in Florida, right? Like, it's just it, it. But. But I see Democrats going out of their way to praise Republicans for doing the right thing. I do not see the the flip side of that. You got it out there. 
great. Like I, I really, I want to be proven wrong on this because I want to believe that the country yeah. is redeemable. So if you see any of that, uh, send, send it to us on Twitter. Uh, yeah. If you see any uh, Republicans praising Democrat, uh, Democratic uh, governors and, and leaders, let us know. We want both sides of that. But, 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 but I, but I will tell you, as long as we you know, call for, uh, for bipartisanship there, um, the, the A segment on Friday's episode of my show was uh, there were 12 states. There are now 11 because Texas has finally issued a shelter in place order. There were there are 11 states without shelter in place orders. And guess what all 11 have in common? Yeah, their, their governors have an R next to their name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's become politicized. Yeah. And in, in, a, in, in a one way and, 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 and again, let me push back on the word a little bit in a one way direction. Right. Republicans are politicizing, hey, being stupid about coronavirus is a way of owning the libs. And uh, yeah. And, yeah. And it's going to kill their supporters. It will. And I, I the uh, that I think those I think that'll come home to roost at some point. At least I'm hoping so. Um, sure but so. but, you know, we never know. We never know. I, I I've. I'm never ceased to be surprised by some some of these things. So thank you um, very much. Real Life Lawyer, host of the Opening Arguments podcast. Get it wherever you listen to your podcast. Andrew Torres, thanks for coming on The Daily Beans. Next up is the good news. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Noom. We all want to be healthy and get in shape, but too often we think that means making drastic changes uh, in an all-or-nothing scenario to try to lose a ton of weight all at once. But getting in shape is not always just about a number on the scale. It's not about losing a specific amount of weight. It's about building healthier habits and feeling better about yourself with no guilt. That's why I love the new habit-changing program from Noom. Noom helps you develop a new relationship with food, and it adjusts to your lifestyle to fit you best. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make, and then help you keep track of everything from workouts to steps to analyzing your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a whole community of Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower your change. Uh, I've been on Noom now for about a year and a half. Uh, Initially, I lost about 15, 20 pounds. Now it's just been about maintaining it. Uh, I have more energy. I sleep better. I have more stamina. And with Noom, you pick the goals that are right for you. Noom personalizes a program to help your goals become reality. It's a cognitive behavioral approach. They base it on a cognitive behavioral approach, and they use personalized courses so that you can help you know help you reach your goals. And you don't have to commit to a bunch of time either. It's it's just ten minutes a day. They make it really convenient with the Noom app. Uh, and they don't use negative reinforcement. There's no shaming if you go off track. Have a burrito. Burritos are awesome. They just give you tips to help get you back on track tomorrow if you need to. And it is the perfect time to make a step towards healthier habits. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Daily Beans. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom dot com slash Daily Beans to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we- Joining us today for the Good News segment is Amanda Reeder. Amanda, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing today? Uh, uh, so far, so good. I mean, it's still pretty early. A um, lot of really weird news coming out. Um, trying to avoid that by, you know, rearranging my flower garden on Animal Crossing. I was just going to ask, how's your Animal Crossing Island doing? 
It's <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, I, I noticed some weeds have started to grow back. I need to take care of that. Uh, and I've been trying to cross-pollinate flowers improperly, in, in so I need to fix those. And then I think I'm going to move trees around into groves. Nice. That's a very good idea. There's some I've been like looking at so much Animal Crossing inspiration and I have big plans. <laughs> this is tethering me to my sanity. <laughs> it really is. It really is. For the first time I woke up not like, you know, I'm in apocalypse. My first thought was, did I spawn any new flowers today? So... Yep. There are three really good things about this game. One is the fact that it takes up a lot of time, which some of us are lucky enough to have extra time right now. Not everybody, but a lot of people have more time at home than usual. It is forces you to be mindful because things take a long time. Um, the music is relaxing and you can hang out with your friends. So I'm yep. going to keep preaching. <laughs> We've already visited each other's islands a few times. We need to get Heike in there. And then the other thing too that I love is that Apparently, you know, if you see a shooting star, some some shit can happen. So you actually do have to go to the beach and look up at the sky and stargaze for long periods of time. And the ocean sound is there. It's just very, very calming. I'm curious if you guys have a favorite. Um, I think we both only have a Nintendo Switch. But if you have a favorite, like, relaxing video game or cute video game or something uplifting, let us know. Because I'm playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Um, I also like to play um, Mario Kart. But if you have a fun game that you love for Switch, let us know. Not sponsored by Nintendo. Nope, we are not. Um, I just found this and it's a, it's just a really nice way to relax. So, Sponsored by Quarantine. <laughs> Brought to you by stay-at-home orders. Uh Anyway, what uh, every day we reach out. First of all, thank you to everyone who came to the Pajama Jammy Jam Cocktail Quarantine Q&A Bonanza. It was amazing on Friday. We're going to have to do it again every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific. If you're a patron, just look for an email. Uh, check your junk. Uh, I don't mean like, you know, check your junk. I mean, you know, check your junk file. But also it's a good idea to check your junk from time to time. Yes, uh, yes. Self junk che checks are are good, especially in quarantine. But anyway, um, come join us. It was absolutely fun. We had over five hundred people at one point. It was just really, really a great way to interact with with all y'all and everyone who listens to this show is just aces. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really fun. And like we said before, if that's not a good time for you, you can always watch it afterwards. Um, send in your questions and we will do probably what we did last week, which is a mix of fun questions and more political ones. And yeah, if you want to watch us drink wine on video, then become a patron. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Alrighty. Are we ready for some good news? Yeah, let's hear it. What do you got? Um, this first one is... I don't know if it's good news so much as a silver lining, but let's let's put it in the good news block anyway. This is from uh, David, and he said, one little piece of good news. If true, uh, and he links to an article about how white supremacist groups are trying to use COVID as a weapon, uh, is that the FBI may be taking terrorist threats from white supremacist and far-right groups much more seriously than before because of their open threats to use COVID as a weapon. So... Hopefully, this will change the way that um, law enforcement uh, handles these sorts of threats and, and you know, um, hate crimes and stuff. Weird silver lining, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, we'll put that in good news. This yeah, is from that's, Paul. A, that's a weird flex, right? Like, oh, <laughs> you know, take that could it seriously. Be something that changes. I mean, yeah, right. They should have taken it more seriously before, but whatever it takes, man. <laughs> whatever it takes. Um, 
don't be a racist <laughs> from Paul. <laughs> he said, I live in Virginia, uh, but I just kicked a contribution for South Carolina U.S. Senate candidate Jamie Harrison. Mm-hmm. So he can try to take over the Senate seat held by Lindsey Graham. It's actually a much closer race than you might think. And to get back the Senate, Democrats really need to be supporting the people who are brave enough to run. So if you don't have a contested seat in your state, go find a great Democrat trying to unseat someone else and ship in a few dollars their way. Yes. Good point. Love that. And we can't forget that, you know, elections are still a thing that are happening amidst a pandemic. (laughs) Kind of, Mm -hmm. I guess. Nope, they are. Um, This is from Claudia Swan, and she said, Hi, lovely ladies. I just wanted to share what my awesome congressperson in Illinois has circulated about the rescue package and how it can pan out for small businesses. Uh, It's so great that you've been talking shop about this on your show. I really appreciate it. There may be, of course, and should be other resources like this one below, but thought I'd pass it on. Feel free to share. And she forwarded us an email from her congressperson, Jan Schakowsky, and it's amazing. It lays out everything currently available to folks in terms of new resources from the federal and state government. And she also is including questions um, in the format of a survey in the email about what folks would like to see in the next stimulus package from frontline worker protections, drug prices, student loan debt forgiveness, and COBRA extensions and the like. So um, it's really rad. I'd love to see more uh, Congress people and more politicians sending out resources like this. So that is good news. Um, this is from Vicki, and she linked me to an article about um, a veterans care facility in Oregon. And um, 13 out of the 16 veterans who have contracted the COVID virus at this facility have fully recovered. Oh, so that's great. And they're all um, elderly. So that's really amazing news that a big group of veterans who all contracted the virus actually recovered from it. Got to look for those silver linings, even in stories about death. (laughs) Um, This is from Jason. And he said, uh, my state, Oregon, just sent 140 ventilators to New York. Yep, this is big news. And this is also just so amazing because they they had, you know, because of their fast uh, stay at home order and, and, and social distancing in Oregon, they have these spare ventilators to send to New York to help. Mm hmm. Yep. And it hasn't, obviously, Oregon hasn't been hit as hard yet. And so it's really amazing seeing these these state governors work together to help each other when we are not getting enough help from our federal government. Um, yeah, we're going to need to have more cooperation like that. Um, this is from uh, an anonymous listener, and they've linked me to this article. Uh, and the headline is, MIT students engineer a $100 ventilator system that can be built easily. And I just want to read you... Um, unless you covered this already on the show, AG. Which which one? MIT open source ventilator. Nope, nope, haven't covered it yet. All right, cool. This is from um, the official MIT news blog, and uh, MIT based team works on rapid deployment of open source low cost ventilators. Uh, clinical and design considerations will be published online for everyone, and the goal is to support rapid scale up of device production to alleviate hospital shortages. Hmm. Um, And the average price of a ventilator is about $30,000. And this one um, should be available. The resources should only cost about $100. Um, And these MIT uh, students were uh, part of a team that was only formed on March 12th in response to the pandemic. And they are, uh, you know, they're already coming up with solutions. This article is published on March 26th. So we have some incredible, incredible people in this country, incredibly intelligent people, scientists and engineers, and 
healthcare workers who are going to get us out of this fucking mess. And I'm so grateful to, and, and, and remember too, that a lot of these schools, a lot of these um, science and medicine schools have a lot of amazing talent from around the world, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I love that. It's yeah. It's fucking awesome. That is really good. That is great. And they're doing a lot and just just for in the last 23 days that they've been formed. I've they've reached out to me. I, you know, I put out a tweet saying, hey, I have I have a doctorate in public health and 12 years experience in this and that. If anyone needs anything from me, how can I help? And and a group a group of folks from uh, from MIT reached out. They're doing a, a covid response um, contact tracing program that they're trying to get piloted in some places and and we're trying to work on that they are just on top of it and i'm very very thankful that we have such bright amazing uh you know proactive people uh, you know responding to this and it's not just just our government and they are working without funding and also anonymously this this group of students it says the all-volunteer team is working without funding and operating anonymously for now because many of them have already been swamped by inquiries from people wanting more information. But they're so overwhelmed by calls and they don't want it to interfere with their work on the project, so they're remaining anonymous. We would really, really, really like to just stay focused, says one team member. And that's one of the reasons that uh, us being anonymous is so essential um, and us publishing our work online is so essential so that we can communicate with anyone who wants to read about what we are doing and so that others across the world can communicate with us. But um, yeah, that's... That's really awesome. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Um, Yeah, that's the good news for today. Awesome. Excellent collection of good news stories. Thank you to all of our listeners, patrons, subscribers, non-patrons, everyone. Everyone, thank you for sending those in. Uh, Mandy, where can they send their good news stories? I think we just put out social media requests and and people just respond to them. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, I post them everywhere. Uh, I I put out requests on the Behind the Beans group. I put out tweets. I post it on our Patreon. Um, But if you uh, just want to email them to me, you can send them to me, Amanda Muller, she wrote. We do get a fair amount by email. Um, You can DM us on 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 twitter as well if that's easy for you um yeah just keep sending them on on a rolling basis and i i collate the most relevant ones uh and share them on the show awesome i appreciate you doing that and i appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today on the show that you're on um (laughs) i just was like (laughs) treated you like you're the the, the interview no that you are part of this show and I, i appreciate you though taking the time i know I know you've uh, got a busy schedule over there. So I uh, thank you very much. And these good news stories were really, really helpful. We get so much positive feedback from people who are like, thank you for doing a good news segment. So I appreciate all that work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you, AG. I, I, we've gotten just so many messages from people, even more than we usually do, that they're grateful that we are continuing to put out news. <laughs> and it's it's some people's like tethered to to routine and familiarity. So um, so we all appreciate you because I can't even handle a lot of news right now, even as much as I usually do. And so I'm even getting a lot of my news through you, AG. <laughs> so thank you. So thank you. Well, my my dissociation and PTSD has built me for this. <laughs> I can compartmentalize anything. So you're welcome. And uh, don't forget to take care of yourself. I won't. I'm going to I'm going to get off this call here and, and go uh, rearrange my flower garden. Um, everyone do the same. I mean, you don't have to rearrange your flower garden, but you know, find something that gives you peace. Everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and take care of each other. I've been AG. And Amanda Reader. And them's the beans.
The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>